Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. Thanks for being here today as we... uh, Continue our new ministry here. If you're new to our church family, this is the, uh, we run a September to August ministry year. So this is our new start. And last Sunday, we began on our knees in prayer, just seeking the Lord as we uh, get started. Today is what we call Vision Sunday. And I keep picturing this week that uh, fire tower in Brown County where you climb up above the tree line and you look out at the beautiful horizon, which will in a couple weeks be the fall colors here. But you can see in, into what's coming. And today as a church family, we climb that fire tower. We look out over this coming ministry year and just dream together, where might the Lord be leading us in this unique time and, and place in history? And as we have been thinking and praying over the past several months as a leadership team, the word that, that comes to mind that we have landed on, and there's a little hint in your seat on the, the, uh, the cards that you receive, a drum roll theme, theme of the year announcement is about to occur. Here it is. The word is reset. Living with a renewed passion to be his church. So when you think about reset, the idea is, you know how you can have a just a a day that leaves you fatigued and frazzled and frustrated and maybe even running low on hope and you fall asleep, hit the bed just out of gas and sleep for seven to eight hours and when you wake up what happened in those seven eight hours but you have a fresh perspective on the day you have new renewed energy it's like you you powered off fatigued and frazzled and frustrated to wake up with new perspective new energy to go again and I look at that common occurrence for us as God's one of evident the evidences of God's common grace where he just every day it's a reset and he gets us going again but spiritually um, the idea is that okay this past year as we look at what we've been through over the past really couple years it's been a fatiguing frustrating in many ways frazzling season discombobulating season and uh, and and you could almost say we have powered off in literally some ways we have for 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 times but in many ways, it's been a, a powering off of just, okay, a chance to, to reevaluate perspective, what matters most in life, and, um, you know, uh, rethink how, how heart-wise, how am I doing, and then how, am I, how is my life ordered in a way that, that would be pleasing to God and, and truly living towards the priorities that, that He lays out. But what if this coming ministry season is one where, okay, we reset, we powered off, but now it's the power-up time where we uh, awaken to, to allow, allow God to do what He does in our hearts through His Word and awaken with a fresh perspective, a new perspective, and new energy to be His church in this time and this place. And I, I just love that picture, the hope that comes with it of, okay, it's been a, a, we're, we're tired, we're, it's been a tough season, but as we power down in His presence, only to awaken in His presence with new energy, to go be a search. So end goal is by next year this time when we sit back in these, uh, we regather for our worship that we will all, every soul in this house, every member of this ministry team will have 
um, be living with a renewed passion to go be his church in this time and place. That's, that's the vision. So how do we get there? And we thought today we'll begin with a picture of, a graphic picture of one of God's servants who um, has a reset moment. It's a memorable moment, and it illustrates our human frailty, God's sufficiency, and his faithfulness. But also, after that, we will talk through five core realities of who we are as his church that will, um, I, I pray and hope, will begin to stoke that passion to be his church. And so five core realities that speak into, that inform our identity and our calling as the body of Christ. And so we'll start with this, uh, this reliving this memorable mo- reset moment in the life of Elijah, the prophet Elijah. It's in 1 Kings chapter 17, and I invite you to join me there. As I mentioned, it, this is just an encouraging moment because here's a guy that just faithful servant of God, and yet he has a bonk moment, a tough moment. One of those moments, um, he, he, uh, his soul needs reset, and we get to track with it. In verse 17, we see the, the background. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tibia in Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab was the king of Israel, his wife was Jezebel, the queen, and the nation was veering from God, chasing, uh, serving false gods, Baal, Asherah. And uh, he says, as the Lord God, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. So that's the judgment coming on this nation. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook that I have directed the ravens, and I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So Israel's going into a hard time, three years without rain, and just tough, tough season for them. But God takes care of Elijah, and if you read this story in depth, it's a neat picture of his faithfulness. He, he provides for Elijah as he's hiding out by this brook with water and then sends birds with food, and, and then when that dries up and runs out, God provides through a widow. You can read about that. But then the Lord says, now go back to Ahab and tell him. It's three years. It's been a long time, but tell him rain is coming. And Ahab meets him, and he's at first just ticked at uh, Elijah, but Elijah's like, no, God's going to, this is a message of hope, but let's uh, bring your prophets, the false prophets, and at this time there were 450 uh, prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of Asherah, so eight or uh, 900 uh, to one. Elijah was thinking he's the only guy left in Israel. wasn't true. There were other prophets, but he's, he's thinking that, and Elijah said, let's go up to Mount Carmel, and let's put our gods to the test. You build an altar to Baal. I'll build an altar to Yahweh, the, the true God, except leave your matches and lighter fluid at home. We're going to pray that our gods will light the fire and consume the offering. And they said, okay, whoever provides fire, that will be the true God. And so if you read the story, it plays out. The prophets of Baal are um, all day long just crying out to their, to their false god. Nothing happens. Finally, Elijah um, says, okay, let's move over here. He prays God, and his prayer is one that's so good. Verse 36 says, At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. 
Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And you talk about a, just a highlight moment, a moment of hope and for Elijah and for this nation as they turn back to God, what God has promised to do through his covenant is to bring blessing to them. Elijah goes up the mountain and he waits to see um, the rain cloud. And you can read about it. You can feel his just uh, really, he knows it's coming, but just the anticipation and the hope as he waits. And, and then finally he sees this rain cloud coming, which symbolizes not just physical blessing, but spiritual blessing as God's people turn back to him. And then it, the text uh, gives us this picture of Elisha being empowered to run ahead of, the, uh, of Ahab back to the the city, and it's a picture, it's a triumphal scene of the, the man of God leading the king and, and just the hope of this nation turning back to him. But then Jezebel, in verse, uh, or chapter 19, hears about this. Her prophets have been killed, um, and she says, Elijah needs to die. And Elijah goes from this mountaintop, hope-filled moment, somersaulting into the valley of despair and fear. In verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, and he went by himself a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom, broom uh, bush, which is just like a little scrub bush in that area, and he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. That was the mountain where God made the covenant with his people. And there he went into a cave. And spent the night. You know, the, uh, you could hang over this scene a declaration of despair. As Elijah says, I'm, I'm just done. But you could also hang this title, the, uh, the Grace of God, couldn't you? I love the way we see God meet his faithful servant um, there in his low moments. And I think in our own lives, aren't you thankful for the times that God just gently comes alongside of us allows Elijah to sleep, and then when he wakes him up, I love that picture of the meal, and it's not just like, hey, have some crackers and some carbs and, you know, get going, but it's a warm, it's warm bread, and nothing says loving like something from the oven and God's grace just coming to him, but God took the time just to give him some warm bread, some nourishment, and then he goes back, take another nap, go back to sleep, but then when he gets up, and I love the picture of Elijah, um, where does he run when he's at his lowest? Where does he go? And 40 days and 40 nights into the presence of God. Think about our own lives in those moments, and maybe today you're at a low. And just that reminder, that beautiful picture of when we don't know where to go, we go to him, don't we? As his people runs into his presence, but he is encountered with an unexpected question. You know, when I would, uh, I would expect the Lord to say, all right, well done, Elijah, you're doing a good job out there. 
Um, but what does God say to him there in verse 9, second part of verse 9? It says, the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> it's like, clearly God does not expect Elijah to be in this place. It's not where he, he, he is expected to be. So what's going on in this moment? Verse 10, we see Elijah's response. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. So he's saying, I've done my job. I've been out there bringing my all for, for you, Lord. But the, Isra or the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. What's Elijah saying? It's a declaration of despair again. It's basically saying, Lord, we're losing just to let you know, it's, it's over. Um, I'm out here doing my best. These people are, are wondering from you. And, um, but once again, how does God respond to this? <laughs> and it, it's a beautiful picture of his grace, his restorative grace. And it's like a reset for, for the soul. God says this to him. The Lord said, go out, stand in the on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And as I was thinking about this this week, just sense the Lord wanting us to be reminded of His greatness as we serve Him. Sometimes especially in hard moments of life. You think, man, is God in control? And what's going on? And, and before the Lord even shows up, the wind is, it says, shattering mountains, shattering rocks, tearing apart mountains. This is our God. This is his power. And I think God's just giving uh, his servant a glimpse of his glory, a glimpse of his power. After... But it says, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Again, God is shaking the ground. Before he even arrives, the, the ground is shaking. Then after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Love the picture of God coming to him in a gentle whisper. I think it's a, can't help but the foreshadowing of our Lord coming to us as a gentle and humble in heart, Jesus Christ. And, and then in our own hearts and lives, the way that he, all-powerful God, and yet he meets us in the quiet moments through his word, through an encouraging word, um, to restore us. So what does God say to him? He says, uh, then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Same question. Elijah replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, this is a phrase you might circle and, and think about as you reflect on this. God says to him what? Go back the way you came. With a new perspective, fresh vision of who God is, his glory, with a new perspective of what God's called him to go back the way you came. 
go back to the desert um, and go to the desert of Damascus. And there he says, anoint um, people king. So he's going to go ahead and anoint a guy, king of uh, Aram, uh, anoint also uh, Jehu, son of Nimshai, king over Israel and his successor. And God's giving him a picture of the works going on, the redemptive plan of God. Elijah's coming to him saying, God, it's over. And God's just saying, hey, <laughs> my redemptive plan, it's on because I'm on. I'm here. And I love verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000. Remember Elijah saying, I'm the only one left. His perspective was, it's just me. I'm holding this thing up. God's like, hey. Let me give you a little window into another room. I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Here in the presence of the Lord, Elijah experiences a soul reset, leaves him ready to get back in the game. Go back the way that you came. You know, today as we take these first steps into this new ministry year, the, uh, the big idea is that we would see with clarity who we are as the people of God. That we would see Him as He is, see our identity, but then also see what He's called us to. And there are five core realities that we, we talk about. These are probably for most of us will be familiar, but so important that we allow these to get down into our souls so that they might stoke that passion to get back into, into the mix. Go the way we came and uh, go out to serve him. And so we'll cover these uh, five core realities with the hope that they will stoke in us a renewed passion to be his church. The first one is, who are we? Core reality number one, core value number one, we are Jesus-focused. We are the body of Christ. He is our head. He is the one that we follow. The mountaintop moment for us as a church where we get to just climb up and, and see his glory is uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse, verse 15, that says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So speaking of Jesus, For in Him all things were created. The one we follow made all that is. And it says, Things in heaven and on earth, visible and is invisible, whether thrones or powers or, or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In this moment, all that exists holds together through Jesus Christ. But here it comes, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And so we fix our eyes on him we yield to his will his presence is everything isn't it if we are with him game set match if we veer from him if we take our eyes off him game set match he is the one who redeemed us by his blood he loves us gave his life for us rose from the dead three days later he lives today and he offers eternal life which is a relationship with the living God through faith to everyone who calls on him in faith he is the one who is building his church today he promised I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it by his 
power alone, he brought us together. By his power alone, he transformed each one of us who know him and is transforming us. And by his power alone, he has unified us, brought us together as members of his body. He is the head. It's his thoughts that that animate who we are. It is only by his power that we do what we do. And so we fix our eyes on him. We follow him. We yield to his lead. And he is the one who is preparing a place for us. I love in John 13 to 17, if you read that passage again and again, what, one of the themes that will just come out is he can't wait to be with us. <laughs> he's preparing that place for us. He's coming again to, be, to uh, take us to be with him, that, that idea of just with, with, with. Jesus Christ was crucified for you and me. He has risen from the dead, defeating death and the power of sin over us. He is not, he, he, Acts chapter 1, we see he ascended to heaven. He is reigning as king. It's, it's not like there are things happening outside of his control. He rules as king of kings and he is coming again. Amen? So that we say Jesus Christ, obviously present, actively in charge. As the body of Christ, guys, and as we look to this new year, how can we look to it with hope and excitement? It's because we have a leader, we have a head, and we lock in on him, and we follow him. Am I living Jesus-focused? That's everything as we look to the future. Second, we are not only Jesus-focused, but we are Bible-based, the Bible being his word. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, if you, if you flip over just a, uh, a page there, Colossians, it says, we're challenged to let the message of Christ or the logos of Christ, the word of Christ, to dwell among us richly, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And then as Paul instructs Timothy, a leader in the church, and really all of us in terms of how we do church, he says this, core text, 2 Timothy chapter 3.16 he says, all scripture is God-breathed, meaning this is inspired by, by God through human authors, but inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then it's almost as if Paul says, hey, Timothy, um, lean into this, lean into this. I've got something that you really need to hear. Verse, chapter four, verse one, he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct and rebuke encourage and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to say. Rather than coming to the word of God saying, Lord, speak, we come to the word of God looking for what we like and, and ignore the rest. He's saying, and have, have you seen that in our culture and in our day? It feels like we're living this. He says, they, um, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of, of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Guys, the word of God is the foundation for all that we believe and all that we do. Amen? 
His word is everything. It's through his word that God has revealed to us who he is with clarity. It's through his word that God is recreating us in his image. It, this is the means through which, back in creation, Genesis um, 1 and 2, you see the uh, six days. How did God create? He spoke. Let there be and there was. How is God recreating us a new race, not Adam's race anymore, but a race from the second Adam, from Jesus Christ, reborn through faith in him? How is he recreating us? How do we grow up to be the mature body of Christ? There is only one way, and it is his word. As we know it, as we hunger for it, ingest it, learn it, live it, um, love it, his word is, he spoke this, that we might become like his son, and he is faithful to do that. His word, it's through his word that he exposes the, the lies of our greatest enemy. It's interesting that, what did Jesus call the devil? It's the father of lies. And it's not like this big, obvious lie. It's, it's, taken, it's, it's the subtle lie. And it's a lie that appeals to the disordered desires of our flesh. We, we want whatever will elevate self. We want our way. And so the devil knows how to just tweak, tweak the truth, send the little lie. And then these lies that he gives us about what will make us happy, who God is, who we are, what will make us really happy, our flesh is like, yeah, I want that. And then what's the world do? It's the echo chamber that, that, that uh, normalizes the lies that we, we want to believe, his lies. So what's our hope? It's right here. This is it. This is that light that illuminates the matrix. What will truly bring happiness? What will truly satisfy the human soul? It illuminates the, the lie that, that's at the core of really um, where we drift and so we, um, we treasure his word. His word is the foundation. His word is reliable. It's eternal. It does not change with ever changing, the ever-changing winds of human opinion. And his word is the most powerful force in the universe. I love this picture that we can have confidence. That picture of Elijah before, as the Lord is arriving, and mountain shattering. We hold the powerful word of God in our hands, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut, divide soul, and, and just convict and, and uh, expose the lies and lead us to life. So how do we grow strong as the body of Christ to be his loving, life-giving presence? And this coming ministry season, what will mark our strength or um, fuel our strength? And it's the word of God. It says we follow his word as our final authority, build our lives upon it. As the word, as the, his church, um, it's interesting, one, one of the ways that we're, what we're called, one of the pictures that we're called, the metaphors is the pillar and foundation of truth. God has given us, his church, his word to steward and to pass it on to the next generation. This is our treasure, and so we, um, core to, to what we're called to do and what we, uh, who we are is to guard and, and uh, pass on his word. When we gather to worship, his word is central. It's what we preach. It's what we teach. His word is the foundation of every family. His word, hopefully, in your home is, is elevated, and you think about it, talk about it. It's, it's present. His word is the foundation of every small group as we gather to do life together. His word is the foundation of every ministry team. It guides us, directs us. I love the picture Jesus gives of our, uh, the importance of doing his word or the, and the gift of his word in Matthew 7. After the Sermon on the Mount, he says this. 
Whoever puts these words of mine into practice is like a wise man building his house upon a rock, a foundation. And when the big storm comes, the winds blow, that house will stand. And what a gift to have that kind of confidence in our lives. You know, as we face just crazy days, but the person who does not put the word of God into practice um, when the storm comes, it's like building your house on the sand and that house will fall with a mighty crash. And so um, core to who we are, we are Jesus-focused, Bible-based. The third uh, core reality or value that we hold, we are love-fueled. We see this many times in Scripture, but one of them is over in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, verse 14, where Paul writes, for, the, for Christ's love compels us. That, that's that idea, motivates us, moves us, because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. What is it that fuels us as a church family this coming year? What's our primary motive? And ultimately, it's the glory of God, but it's as we follow his command, which is to love each other. It's the love of Christ, his love for us, and the love he's given us for each other that moves us. Do you remember in John 13, 34, and 35, where Jesus said, huddled with his disciples, and he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that, that you're my disciples. And just a radical calling that, that how, how will people know that we follow Jesus? What's the primary mark of a disciple? It's the love of Jesus Christ. And so it's his, lo- it's his love that fuels our motives. It's a love that it's neat to think God has placed this love in our hearts for each other. It's supernatural. It's from him. And it's a love that uh, Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, is to be sincere, meaning without cracks, like it's just so authentic. It's not a love that has mixed motives, that um, is loving somebody just for what they can get, but rather it's that just, I just want to seek your good because I love the Lord and he's loved me, period. And we get to be that kind of family, you know, where um, that's the love that binds us together, unites us. One family united with a supernatural love forever. is Is this stoking anyone's passion to just go be his church? Jesus-focused, Bible-based, we have his word. We have his love animating all that we do. Fourth core value is we are spirit-empowered. Acts chapter 1-8, the, the disciples are huddling around Jesus. Jesus is talking about, hey, here's what's going to happen. And then, then, he, then he says, hey, guys, though, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift, power from on high, the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 1-8, he says, you will be my witnesses, not just here in Jerusalem, but throughout the whole world. I cannot wait until February, and, and not for the snow, but, uh, <laughs> but for the fact that we are, guys, we are going to dig into the book of Acts, and from February all the way until May, just unpack the birth of the church and um, just follow this adventure of what happens when a group of ordinary people live spirit-empowered. Let me tell you something. That, that, when they were alive, birth of the church, they were the minority minority in a time that I feel like was probably crazier than what we're feeling in our, in our world. And yet, God did what he did. As they uh, simply relied on the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, refusing to quench the Spirit when the Spirit said, hey, go, take that step of faith, go there. And refusing to grieve the Holy Spirit, following his lead, 
God does. Now, what might we do this coming year if we wake up every day realizing as a follower of Jesus, we have been promised the indwelling Holy Spirit of God? And I know it's hard to, we often don't feel that on Monday morning, <laughs> but that's truth, guys. It's who we are. We are Jesus-focused, Bible-based, love-fueled, Spirit-empowered body of Christ. And then finally, our fifth core reality is that we are unified around our mission. And so what's our mission? Familiar passage, but good to, to just refocus on it right now. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 says, All authority, this is Jesus talking, all authority in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. Make disciples is the, the primary imperative of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And what's the big command? Love each other as I have loved you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our mission is, as the body of Christ in this day and age is to make disciples. This coming year, that's our focus, is to make disciples. We say it this way, to help one another or help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Our dream as we look to the future this coming year is that one life at a time would step into the joy of awakening to the love of God, that God loves them, gave his son for them, and that, that they will trust Jesus as their Savior, understand what he did for us on the cross, taking our sin to the cross, dying in our place, receive that by faith, and then begin this journey of walking hand in hand, step by step, into the pre um, in the presence of our Lord. What is a disciple? It's someone who is living with increasing surrender to the empowering lordship of Jesus Christ day by day. Dallas Willard said that. What's a disciple? It's someone who is experiencing the kingdom of heaven in real time, right here on earth. Guys, it's, it's this idea of uh, what's a disciple? It's someone who has stepped into life's greatest love relationship, life's greatest joy. I don't think we get to it in perfection here on earth, but it's, it's our everyday pursuit that we would, through Christ, we have the capacity, the possibility of living in perfect union with the living God. It's like, the kingdom of God, Jesus was preaching, the kingdom of God is near. What did he mean? It's this. When we live with him as king, it's like stuff of this earth melts and we see him and his reign and his provision and his shalom and his peace and his joy and his love becomes primary so that when I see that shiny thing out there again, I'm like, man, I want to own it. Like, why would I want to own it? I know the one who owns it all. <laughs> and greed, um, all those idols that we want, we chase, all these things fade in that precious relationship and perfect union as we grow in our love and experiencing the love of the living God. Amen? And this is what we're helping each other on and inviting other people to experience the kingdom of God here disciple following Jesus with all our heart and so say okay what's that look like then how do we live that live that out or uh and we've said as a church family if our mission is to become fully devoted followers of Christ this isn't exhaustive but here are five heart 
heart uh, character qualities of Christ or heart attitudes of Jesus that we see that we want to live out, and then five corresponding habits that help uh, us develop those. And so the five heart attitudes are, we see in Jesus a, a passionate love for the Father, a compassion for people who are far from God, a, a love for each other, sacrificial love for each other, a, uh, Jesus calls us to believe, and so a growing faith that will take next steps and trust him with the unknown. And then the fifth is, to all of us who are infected with this poison of pride, Jesus says, come follow me into the path of, of humility. And say, we say, okay, how do we develop these? What are the habits? And as a church family, or if you're a member of our team, you, this is review if you're new, um, we try to hit these often. But five heart attitudes are developed by five habits, and we've connected them to the hand just so to help us remember. But the first is, first day of the week, first hours of that day, Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we gather and we worship him. And bring our very best. And one of the thoughts that we want to kind of hit over and over again this, week, this year as we seek to, to be his church, sometimes when we come to church, we, we think in terms of uh, a consumeristic mindset of, hey, what can I get? Or, hey, that going to whatever. Rather than saying, I'm coming to give a sacrifice of praise to my Lord, and as I love him and just give him my very best worship, but also love his body and the people around me. That's what I will... Back in the Old Testament, you never came to worship empty-handed. You always carried something, a sacri- an offering of something, you know, and uh, you're carrying a goat, you know, in your trunk or whatever. We don't carry goats or uh, lambs to church anymore. We're called to come, and that's the joy of it. And so we're going to talk about that more. Second is, second habit is the uh, reach, and it's one life. All of us praying for at least one person who maybe not know Christ to come to know him and be ready to share, have a spiritual conversation with them. Third is, to connect in loving relationship with each other through small groups or a group of some kind where you're just doing life together with other Jesus followers. Fourth is the, uh, and this is the little me meeting with the triune God daily, and it's uh, meeting with him through prayer and uh, his word every day, most important meeting of the day, and then walking with him throughout the day. And then the fifth is using my hand or my abilities to serve him and asking, how can I steward my life, all that you've given me, Lord, to meet the needs of the people around, around me. Now, here's where it gets exciting. What might happen if you have a team of, of fully devoted Jesus followers, Jesus-focused, Bible-based, uh, love-fueled, spirit-empowered, unified around this mission this coming year? What, what would happen in our midst in this, in this season of 21-22 ministry season? And we, the picture that we often talk about and what I believe God desires to see happen and has been happening in, in, in many ways is that we will be an outpost of heaven here on earth in this time and in this place. When we get together, we will just, uh, it, it's, you'll feel the momentum and encourage each other to love God with all of our hearts, all of our soul. We'll be a light to those who don't know him as we go out, as we scatter. We'll be a, a light in, the, in this dark and, and world full of needs. We will uh, be a home for each other, for the heart, as we love each other and as we do life together in community. That's that just dinner table, kitchen table fill. In tough times, we're going to be there for each other, loving each other with his, his love. We're going to grow in our faith this year, guys, in neat pictures. We meet with the Lord in prayer, his word. He's going to grow us up. We're going to know how to trust him more. And then fifth, we will be an unstoppable force for good as we serve the Lord with all our heart. So bringing this all together, um, 
next year this time. May we come back into this place with hearts that are lit up with a renewed passion to be his church. And I pray even God will give us a glimpse of who he is. Each one of us would see him in a way that we haven't before, who we are and what he's called us to in a way that would be even for the rest of our life, rest of your life here on earth, would just be that hot coal that just stokes your passion to wake up and go be his church. Amen? Jesus-focused, Bible-based, love-fueled, spirit-empowered, unified around our mission to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ for the glory of God until he comes or we breathe our final breath. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today, and we thank you for revealing yourself and uh, your grace, Lord, that you've given us, that, that we can know you, walk with you through Christ. And Lord, today we uh, just thank you for this time to, to refocus on who we are. Our core DNA is your body. And Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. We, uh, we love you and, and just praise you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that in the uh, discouraging moments of life, I think about Elijah, I think about how all of us probably have had some tough times this week that we can just look up and, and see you there. You promised your presence and hear you say, just follow me, the gentle whisper. Lord, I thank you for your word that just nourishes us. And Lord, I pray that this year you would give our church family a uh, above average hunger for your word, that you would just make us crave it thirsty for it, that we might grow up to be more like you. And Lord, I pray for, that your love would beat in our soul, that you would just let it um, beat pure in our hearts and flow throughout our the capillaries of, of uh, all of our interactions. And I pray that you would grow our faith this year, Lord, that we would trust you with the moment and then that you would use us to do good as we serve you with humility. I thank you for each person here today and each person that's a part of our church family. And just pray blessing over them and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.